Jumelang, hi, I'm Zanzi, and welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a No Holds Barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. I'm your host, Nolutando Ngakani, and I'm here to hold your hand as you seek the answers to those mysterious bumps and aches you dare not speak of in public. Every year on the 5th of May, the International Day of the Midwife takes place. And as one of the oldest professions in the world, you would think that it would have been a long marked awareness day, but it wasn't made official until 1992. And if you don't know what a midwife does, well, they provide advice, care, and support for women and their babies during pregnancy and the early postnatal period. Midwives help women to make their own decisions about the care and services they access and will provide health, education and parenting advice until care is transferred to a health visitor. This week, we have an anonymous voice note from KZN. Hi, I feel like I've lost myself and it sucks. I'm almost six months pregnant and I feel like my whole identity is being pregnant. I feel like a terrible mother already for hating this experience. I get motherhood is about sacrificing. Honestly, the hardest thing is seeing my boyfriend not have to give up the same things I do for this baby because he doesn't have to carry it. I can't eat my favorite foods. I can't keep myself awake past nine anymore. So I never get alone time. I know my upcoming birthday will be all about gifts for the baby. I miss being able to sleep without waking up multiple times to pee and feel like my restless nights have just added to my feelings like this. I'm no longer me. I'm a vessel carrying the baby. And I love this baby, and I want the best for him or her. But I want to be me too. I have no other friends who are pregnant or have children, so I feel really alone. Yo, Ananza, my baby, don't worry. Our guest today is midwife Natasha Stadler, who is based in Somerset West. Natasha has been birthing and working as a midwife for almost 30 years and is quite familiar with the ins and outs of female care in the medical system. Is it normal for women to hate being pregnant? As a midwife, how often do you come across women who are facing a similar challenge? Well, first of all, I would love to give your anonymous mommy a big, big hug just for her. So pregnancy is a huge change in a woman's life. It's a change in her body. It's a change of chemical makeup. It's a change of hormones. And it's a change in lifestyle. So I think that way more mothers-to-be then actually admit, do go through various emotional difficulties in pregnancy. I know for me, it was huge. With my firstborn, I had the feeling, firstly, that I was not going to be a good mother because I wasn't even ready to raise myself. So even though I planned for him and even though we wanted him and everything was perfect for us, I really felt inadequate. And I also had this feeling of, oh my goodness, I'm never going to look good anymore. I'm never going to hold down a job. You know, I can't work more than 40% because I have a child to look after. So this whole thing of my life space is going to change and I am not happy with that. I think that a lot more of us go through that. But because we are taught that pregnancy is this amazing time and everybody should be totally ecstatic and happy and we see all these beautiful movies and ads of these radiant, wonderful pregnant women, we feel really bad and we don't really like to talk about it, which also means that we don't get the support that we need. 
So I think it's more common than we see, but I do think that we need to know that there is a space for us. So I think the most important thing is also to speak with the people in your, your surroundings. So your closest people, be it your mother, be it your sister. If your birthday is coming up, then make it your birthday. You can actually say, guys, I've got a long run of motherhood, about 25 years. This is my last me birthday without kids running around or needing to feed or needing something. So let's just get together, best friend, or even your boyfriend. Men often really do want to help us out, but they don't know where to start. It's so abstract. So I think it's really important to find out who your best buddies are, sit with them, say to them, guys, this run needs to be about me for a bit more because I just really feel the need to have that. And there's nothing bad about that. It doesn't make you a bad mother. It's actually very human and very normal. I think, I think anybody, if you just stop to think for two minutes about where you're going and what's happening in your life, anybody will have certain thoughts that might not be completely jovial. So I think that is important. If those emotions grow and they are not manageable and you feel like they're not going away, even though you have support, or if you have no support, then it is really important to maybe find some external support. That would be speaking to people like yourself that hold space for women. That would be maybe going to an antenatal class or an antenatal group. Or if you are with a midwife, to actually speak to your midwife about these emotions. The most important thing is we have these emotions and we feel that they're not right. So we feel even worse about ourselves than we did before we had them. So I think the most important thing is to accept them for what they are, to realize that they're not the end of the world. You know, there's a reason we are pregnant for nine months, and that's because it gives us nine months to get used to the idea. I assume also for bonding purposes. Even there, you know, we have so much information today about what the baby's experiencing while it's inside us, and how every time we are sad, the baby's sad. And I always tease my moms, and I say, hey, the babies are coming out into our world. If everything was meant to be so perfect, we would be going in there. We're not. So that bonding will happen. It will happen in its own time. It will happen with the mothers and the babies as it needs to happen. But it's important to look for the support. Natasha, can you also explain what the role of midwives are in female pregnancy? Do you need to be pregnant in order to consult with a midwife? The midwife's role is to firstly hold space for women to go through their pregnancy and to support them in whatever way they can. And then we are medically trained and qualified, firstly to keep an eye on the normal pregnancy and to see that everything is going well and the baby's growing well, and to help the mother realize what it is that she needs. We're obviously medically trained to deliver babies, so we have the medical knowledge and background to be able to assist mothers in their birth process and also assist them sometimes when things don't quite go the way we would like them to. I think this is also something coming back to what you were saying before. I've been dealing with the same age woman for about 38 years, and I don't think women have ever had as high expectations of themselves as what they have now. You know, they know so much, so they're trying to live the perfect life as to not disturb their baby in the womb. They're trying to eat absolutely perfectly. They're trying to take all their supplements it's a very difficult thing to do, and it's okay to not do that perfectly. And like I say to my moms, it's okay to forget to take your vitamins. It's okay once in a blue moon to have sushi if you really want to, or a McDonald's burger if you really want. The idea is to protect your pregnancy and look after yourself, but if every once in a while 
something doesn't work out the way you want it to, it's okay to do that. So we are there pretty much to help and to guide the moms and at the same time to look after them and their babies throughout their pregnancy, during their birth and also after birth. We help them with their breastfeeding, we help them with coping with a new baby and being a new parent. Most people only come and see midwives when they're pregnant. Some come and see midwives when they would like to become pregnant and they would like to have more information on birth and their different birth options and the different possibilities of falling pregnant. Sometimes they just come for a consultation. Midwives actually have such a, a big role through a woman's journey to motherhood. What then would be the main difference between midwives and OBGYNs? You know, being a midwife is one of the oldest professions ever, and we have always supported women. And especially in a country like South Africa, there is a huge place for midwives. The big difference, I think, between OBGYN and midwives, so doctors and midwives, is that midwives are geared to deal with the norm. Low-risk births, births without complications. We're geared to deal with more of that, but that's mainly what we work in. Whereas a lot of the doctors are trained for things that go wrong, things that need extra care. So they spend very little time dealing with the norm and more time dealing with pathology. So things that go wrong or things that need extra care or extra supervision. One of the big challenges in South Africa is that we have very slim medical infrastructure. Luckily, we have a better one than many countries in the world, but we do have a very slim one. So the government hospitals are very overfull. But even in the private sectors, the doctors are very full with the norm. So a lot of the specialists are very full dealing with low-risk normal births, which then also in sort of limits their time with the sort of higher-risk births. So in my time in Switzerland, the nice thing there was that all your natural births, all your normal or low-risk births were done by midwives. And doctors really only stepped in if there were issues or things that needed further care. And that just actually relieved both parties. And I think we haven't managed to find that sort of relationship in South Africa because I think it would actually ultimately benefit everybody. We've also mentioned that you work with a few doulas as well. Where would doulas then fit into the whole picture? Doulas are women who have, in this country it's many women. I know there are countries where even men train to become doulas or midwives for that matter. Doulas have a passion for women during labor. So they have trained to hold the space for women during labor, but they're not medically qualified. So they are not qualified to do births or to detect abnormalities. Obviously, if you have a doula that's been working in the field for many years, she will be able to detect all these things very well as well, but it's not their training. So for me, it's a wonderful addition to the birth space. When I trained, midwives were also trained to do doula work. So we had a lot more time for our mothers to rub their backs, to listen to them, to rub their feet if they needed to, to help them cope with the birthing process. And now as you get busier, that time gets less. And for me, I'm not 18 anymore. It's lovely to have that help. So someone else who's helping me with the care of my clients as well. So they wouldn't use the whole pain method during labor. I actually do want us to have the talk about pain relief during labor. So what kind of options should first-time mothers then be aware of? Before I jump into that, I just want to quickly talk to you about the concept of pain. 
There's ample scientific research that your pain level increases, I think it's by tenfold, through fear. So just because your body becomes more uptight, you can't relax, your body can't do what it needs to do. So fear is a huge concept in pain. And unfortunately, in the South African birth world, there is a lot of fear. Just because it's not always easy for women to get good support. As I said, in Switzerland, women had one-on-one support. They either had a midwife at their side or they had a doula all the time. Here we have many women that walk into a labor space or a birthing space where nobody actually sees to them unless it's almost time for their head to pop out. So it's very, it becomes a very fearful space. And then those stories that circulate in the community become a fearful space. Just by eliminating the fear, you're already reducing a woman's pain in labor substantially. So I think that is your first pain relief in a sort of midwife setup, is that you have support, you have a chance to talk about all these things that bother you and that you might be afraid of long before you go into the birthing space as such. Then you have people during the birthing space that are rubbing your back and your feet and that are telling you why you're feeling certain things and what is happening to your body and what you're busy doing right now. So you you have to relearn to trust your body. You have to relearn to trust yourself because it's such an abstract place. Nobody can imagine what it's like to deliver a baby. And even if you've had six babies, every delivery is different. And I always say every birth gives you a gift. It gives something that you will take on in your life for yourself. The water is a really good sort of medium to relax in, like I said before. So that helps with a lot of the pain as well. For me, I find that the majority of my births in a year, we really don't need pain meds. My clients cope very, very well just with the methods that I've explained beforehand. Sometimes you have a birth where you say, okay, this is really taking long. The mommy is tired. It's becoming too much for her. And then sometimes it's not a bad decision to actually transfer her into hospital if she is already in hospital to offer her an epidural. But this is also not always possible because I know in our government sector, the mothers don't have access to an epidural. Other pain medications that we have in hospital, be it pethidine or be it the gas that we use, those don't really take away the pain. They just dull the mom's brain. So she's not aware on the same level of the pain as she was before. But it also affects her bonding with her baby and it also affects her ability to birth her baby. My theory is always that intervening has to outweigh not intervening. So if you are in a place where you can see things are just tough, the same with a C-section. If you can see, look, this birth is not happening. We've tried everything. We've held the space for this baby to come through. It's not happening. Then one has to move through. Since you've already you've brought up the C-section factor, when do we fall into that terrain of doing then um, an emergency C-section during the birthing process? First, I think it's important to realize that a C-section is major abdominal surgery. So even though it gets done a lot, South Africa has an 80% C-section rate, which is really not acceptable on a global level. That means that South Africa is saying that 80% of our women can't deliver their own babies. And we know that that's not true. The risk factors of infection, of bleeding, of injuring other organs, they're all very real. They don't get spoken about, but they are very real. So in order to go that route, it has to be necessary. And when would that be necessary? So definite reasons would be if the mother would be at risk or if the baby would be at high risk. Now, that would mean if the mother, for instance, has a really high blood pressure 
or it could be if other underlying medical reasons why the mother would be a danger for having her baby. For a baby, it could be if the baby is no longer growing well in the womb and it's actually safer for the baby to be outside rather than inside. For me, in my work, the main reason would be if you've tried absolutely everything for a natural birth and you've given the mother a lot of time, and you've given the baby a lot of time, and the baby just cannot come through for some reason, then one would look at transferring in. Often the doctors I work with will then offer the mother an epidural just to try and take away the pain and also relax the pelvis a bit and maybe give a bit more time and space and see if that works, and then if that doesn't work, then that would be My mom likes to tell the story of how my brother came into the world, Wuyo. He didn't want to come out, so they had to do a C-section, and she likes to make it sound so dramatic, but she says, like, the moment they pulled him out, he pooped even. <laughs> so the babies poop when they're stressed, so it, it sometimes it also just means that it was time for him to have a C-section, that he was waiting, saying, come on, somebody needs to get me out of here now. Let's then talk about the challenges of midwives in South Africa. Are there any challenges that, you know, the the field faces in this country? Midwifery globally is challenged. And I think in South Africa, we have one or two challenges more. So I think the global challenge, and we have that in South Africa as well, is to identify and look after, protect the space of the midwife. Okay, so the midwife is not taking over from people who want to birth freely, which means people that want to birth on their own at home without any midwife, without any doctor. And they're not taking the space of the doctors who are birthing in hospital. They're holding the space for women who do not want to be in a hospital situation because they feel that birthing is not an illness. They feel that it's something that they can do out of hospital. Or they can't afford medical care and they're worried about state care. And it allows for this in-between space where the woman can be supported during pregnancy, during childbirth and after to go through what they see as a normal, healthy process. The big challenge for midwives in South Africa is the lack of support, I think. So the system in South Africa is challenging in the sense that your private care is so expensive that the average person cannot afford it if they're not on medical aid. Unfortunately, our government care and our state care, not all of it, there's angels everywhere and there are some amazing state hospitals in this country, but there are also a lot which are either overly busy or just lacking the care and the time to actually look after women properly during the labor process and during the birthing process. What that means for us is I'm so grateful that I have a wonderful support system here. If I need to transfer into state hospital here, I can do so. If I need to transfer into the private hospital here, I can do so. But there are many, many midwives, the majority of midwives in South Africa that do not have that support. That leads to the fact that they either hold a birth at home for too long, which they would under normal circumstances have transferred, or that they withdraw from their practice because they have nowhere to transfer to. That is our main challenge at the moment. And then also the difference in care. I always say if you look at doing a home birth, for instance, people would argue that maybe sometimes there's not enough intervention. People should intervene more or quicker or what have you. And then having your hospital sector and your medical care, which is also becoming more and more fear-based just because of all the lawsuits and because of all the insurances and things, we have too much intervention. 
So we need to honor one another, I think, as birth keepers and birth workers, rather than distinguishing between who's who in the zoo. And then we need to honor our spaces. The doctor needs to realize that a midwife working according to her protocols and according to the South African Nursing Council and according to the midwifery model of care is going to hold space for him with low-risk clients so that he or she has more time to focus on her more high-risk clients. And the same with the state and the, and the MOU. They have to realize that the midwife is taking clients, taking capacity to take away a bit of the load of the state hospital. For me, it just feels like midwives have such a pivotal role to play, and you do deserve that space in South Africa as well. We all need each other. You know, I need a doctor if I need to transfer, and I need a hospital that I can go to if I have a mother who needs extra care. And they need us, you know, if you look at how overloaded the system is. It should be a very smooth working together. And I think when we honor and respect one another and look after each other. So I have doctors that back me up, but that also means that it's my responsibility to work in a certain way that I'm not going to bring them clients that are suffering or that are too late so that they have to then sort out things that they shouldn't have to. And at the same time, they have to trust me that if I say everything is okay and that we can do it at home, that she will be safe. She will be looked after. I get the sense that the system doesn't trust women to do what they're built to do. What's worse is that women no longer trust women to do what they're supposed to do. So often I have my clients will say, I'm the only one in my friend's circle that's having a home birth. All my friends say that I'm crazy. Out of my six friends, five are having elective C-sections. So we also need to relearn that we actually can do so much more than we think. When are mothers kind of at a risk of developing things like gestational diabetes? There's a lot of controversy regarding the preeclampsia, high blood pressure or diabetes in pregnancy and things like that. There are indications like, okay, we see it more with this type of mom or more with that type of mom, but there are no definite things. So I think the most important thing is for mothers to just try and be healthy in their pregnancy, to eat well, to rest well to laugh a lot, to dance a lot, to not sit too long in their computer chairs, to get lots of fresh air, to get sunlight. If you do that, then you're already much lower risk. If you're going to be eating a lot of junk food, if you are going to be smoking throughout your pregnancy, those things will increase your risk. There are certain other factors, so there might be a history of gestational diabetes in the family, even though we can't say for sure that there is a link there. One would watch a mother like that a little bit more carefully. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Natasha. For more on midwifery in Mzanzi, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. And remember, if you are in a medical bind and looking for a shoulder to cry on, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can send a WhatsApp to 076-132-0454. I would never blue tick you, babes. And what could be more beautiful than bringing new life into the world? Midwives truly are a gift to humanity. 
Control and safety in relation to pregnancy and childbirth have different connotations for individual women. But like Natasha said, you were built for this, babes. That brings us to the end of episode 40 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthform Sanzi. From me, Lulu Ngakani, have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.